Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Behind Massive Screens, a game development podcast here at Massive Entertainment in Malmo, Sweden. My name is Petter, and as usual, as always, I'm joined by Dory. That's me. How are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. I, I like uh, that we've uh, revamped the studio a little bit. Yeah. Added, added in some green for... Uh, it just looks For pretty. no specific reason. No specific reason. Um... I, I like how that can become a time warp thing because we never really know which order we're releasing episodes in. But yeah, they're here and it's really, really cozy. Yeah. Yeah. We also have a guest. Oh, yes. Among the plants. Yes. Uh, so uh, for those of you uh, joining Behind Message Screens for the first time, this is, uh, as Petter said, a game development podcast where uh, we here, me and Petter, we uh, try to snag some of our coworkers and then uh, we talk to them about uh, their specific role in game development, a little bit about their career and uh, everything in between and how those two merge. So, uh, well, we are joined here by Johan, who is... Uh, well, okay, Let, let's start at the beginning, because we have a couple of questions that we like to uh, put forth to get the conversation rolling. So first of all, your job role, just a general description and like uh, an over-the-top view of what that means. Right. So, yeah, my name is Johan Flotta. I am the live producer for Ubisoft Connect. And what that means is it's a title that is usually in game projects, right? And Ubisoft Connect is not strictly a game project, but we still took this title because we're in Ubisoft. And it means a slightly different thing for us. Um, it means, I mean, we're a live platform. We have a lot of users that want to play games. Uh, so it's up to me to make sure that there's a plan for that and how to, to deal with that. Um, we also want to know what users think about Ubisoft Connect. So we have to tie that back to kind of feedback loops and make sure that uh, we listen to feedback, take that back into the development pipelines. And so it's a very broad role with very operational uh, aspects like on-call and handling incidents, um, but also more the other side of it, listening listening to the feedback and working with the development teams to make sure that there's there are loops to handle that. So how did you... What I find interesting about this episode in particular, because you usually talk about game development as such. Uh, but yeah, it's like a specific game project. Yeah, exactly. In general. But, but this time we're looking into an actual tool, the pipeline from the game development teams to you, that's uh, the, the player itself, yeah. which, is, which is really cool as well. So, but before we get into all this stuff you talked about, let's ask the second classic behind Massive Screens question. How did you end up in the games industry and at Massive Entertainment? This is my first job, or first Massive is my first uh, working place in the games industry. And before this, I was a, a long time ago, I was a developer. Uh, and then I worked into more kind of uh, agile uh, project management, uh, Scrum Master, uh, PO. Um, and then when I started at Massive, I started managing developers. Uh, so that's what I did for a while. And then I started this role about a year and a half ago. So it's it's my first job in the, I, but I mean, I love games. And the division is one of the main reasons that I applied for the job here at Massive. Um, so I'm super excited to, to to be in this industry. But again, like Ubisoft Connect is more traditional kind of IT project than, than games project, but it's uh, it's a very nice industry to be in. Yeah, so, so you were working a lot as a programmer in the past. And then, then you mentioned something that I've always heard as like a, a word where I'm like, mm -hmm, I, I, know my idea. I know, I know what that means, but we really, do that a so lot I'm going to use the term. What does Scrum and a Scrum Master mean? 
So Scrum is um, the most common kind of agile framework for doing uh, development work in, in the agile way. Uh, and you work in, usually you work in these like two week sprints or one week sprints, it can be three week sprints, but usually two week is, is kind of a middle ground. And you have two, you're not supposed to call them project managers because they're not really project managers. But if you're from the outside world, that's the easiest way to describe it. One is the Scrum Master and the other one is the PO or the product owner. So. And they're quite different. Uh, the, the Scrum Master's role is really to to take care of the sprint and the and the team, and to be kind of a, a safeguard for uh, making sure that the team is only working on what you said you would work on in the sprint. Um, it's always a very common term to describe the Scrum Master as this uh, servant leadership. So you're you're serving the team to making sure that they achieve the sprint goals. Uh, so you set up goals for your sprint, and the Scrum Master helps the team achieve those goals. In the beginning, it was usually one of the devs that was the Scrum Master, but it grew into being a job of its own. Uh, so it's a full-time job for a team. The product owner is more uh, managing the backlog of work and kind of giving work for the Agile team to bring into the sprint. So you make sure that, okay, we take in work that we know that we can deal with in the next sprint. You leave a little bit of buffer to handle bugs and other things that might arise. Um, so the PO is kind of giving tasking the team to do this job in the sprint. And the Scrum Master makes sure that that's what you're working on, making you, you block other requests during that sprint, make sure that the team can focus. If there are questions coming in, the Scrum Master can deal with that so that the developers can be left alone developing. Um, so I think that's it in a, in a nutshell. Yeah, Scrum and Agile uh, sometimes sounds like I have several friends who, who's working with it. And, and it really feels like a science from time to time when you hear people talk about it. Like the yeah, I mean, in in basic the 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 basic agile manifesto is is quite simple. I'm not going to recite it because I don't know <laughs> by heart, but it's it's very like Google it. People over process and uh, like it's it's people focused. It's you want the basic concept is instead of having six month projects, you break down break work down into small chunks that deliver value constantly. Um, so you often try to I mean, now we're, we've had a product for years, but if you're, if you're starting up a Scrum project, you want to get the first kind of MVP or minimum viable product out as, as soon as you can so that you don't sit because your product doesn't deliver value until someone uses it, right? And that's what you want. So you want to break it down into chunks that deliver value on their own. But obviously that and you're using tools like Jira, which is one of the common ones where you can actually track the work and, and thereby you see when you have numbers on it, you can see, okay, how fast are we delivering? Uh, what's our velocity for a sprint? You kind of, you, your team gets to know itself in a way that you become much more predictable so that you know, okay, we can deliver X amount of work uh, in this sprint. And you you do something called uh, sprint planning where you decide how much work you can actually take in. The whole team sits and you you understand what work is. And you can play like scrum poker where everyone gets to estimate. And then you, uh, if you disagree, you have to argue so that you kind of reach some kind of consensus so that the team agrees what the work is going into the sprint. That also means that if, if someone is sick, there's a common understanding of what the work is and, and how much work that is. So you can help each other out and things like this. But yeah, there's a lot of, uh, you can get, definitely geek down into the details of this and, and, and track your, your numbers. You can do nice graphs where you see how you're doing in the sprint. Even in bigger projects, you can have like much larger work than the sprint. It can be like program increments or whatever, like three months 
you can get a, a pretty good uh, projection of a three month work, even though it's like you're still staying away from doing big, big projects, but you can still, if you're a mature Scrum organization or an agile organization, you can still do kind of short term planning uh, and be somewhat predictable in it. This was not in our notes, <laughs> yeah, but I love this explanation. Yeah. Finally, maybe I can understand it a little bit more. Yeah, next time somebody says Scrum, I'll be like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'll just say, listen to our podcast. <laughs> that's that's how, how I'm going to describe it. Yeah, but so if we talk about a little bit about your day-to-day -day work here at Massive as a, a live producer, um, because you 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 defined the terms of Scrum Master and uh, product owner, where kind of would you say that you fit in there as a live producer here in? in connect if it even applies still no i don't think it does i think i'm more a, a stakeholder uh i think i would deal more with uh, I, I deal with both scrum masters and, and po's um if if there's an incident for example the scrum master is probably more likely the stakeholder that that i'm talking to if i want the team to plan kind of uh monitoring work up ahead i would talk to the po and say hey you're lacking visibility on this part of your stack. You need to plan this in because it works that you have to do. Then I would talk to the PO. Um, so I, I don't think that my work kind of qualifies as either, but I, I definitely uh, interact with both uh, on a weekly basis, at least almost daily. Okay. And so if, if we dive a little bit deeper into like your day to day, because we would like to get a little of a bit of a picture. You show up on Monday. Yeah. What do you start off with when you come into the office? Usually I start with, um, even before I read emails or, or look at my chats, I look at the, the numbers uh, and the graphs that we have over the weekends. So like if there's been an incident, uh, I would probably have known about it, but uh, I still want to like look at, okay, how are we doing? Uh, what was the weekend like? Um, and it's usually quite quite stable. Uh, so then it's very interesting to see if there were any outliers over the weekend, especially if we've had like free weekends or something that we, you're interested in seeing how that went, if there was a big influx of players or whatever. So I look at the graphs and see how, how everything's been doing, both from a usage point of view, but also from a, a health point of view. Um, then quite a big part of my day is, is meetings because it's, um, I rely on a lot of other people to be able to do my job. Like I said, the Scrum Masters and the POs and the, the Agile teams are a big part of that because I, I can't do all of that work. Um, also when it comes to kind of feedback and, and that part of the side, like we have very good, um, UX research people that, that do this full time. Uh, I'm not gathering the feedback. I'm not deciding the feedback strategies and everything. I'm just making sure that there's a pipeline back into the agile teams, um, for the work that we see. So it's a lot of coordination and checking in with all these different partners. Um, so I would say probably half is, is uh, meetings. Um, but then we're also planning ahead to see, okay, is there any any irregular requests happening? Is there anything uh, outside of the norm that we need to plan for? Um, but also just kind of operations, making sure that on-call is working and, and all these kind of more churny things that we have. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I was going to ask what on-call means. So on-call is that you, since we're a live platform, uh, if people go home on the weekend, um, and something, if people can't launch their games, then someone needs to be able to to get on and, and uh, look at what that means. I thought it was something else. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that was the simple, most logical explanation. Yeah. Yeah. Now, 
because, I mean, there is a certain reason why we uh, decided to do an episode focused on Connect right now, and that is, well, beta. Yes. Beta for the new <laughs> PC client. So, um, I mean, you, you mentioned when you were talking about Live Producer and how Live Producer on Connect differentiates itself from like on a game project. Right. There is a product out and it is being iterated on, but this is this is like a big release uh, that's being worked on for, for quite some time. Yes. You're right. I kind of stopped in, in the middle of that uh, comparison. Absolutely <laughs> right. So in, in the games, it means kind of taking the game live, right? Um, so you're, you're working up with the release plans and everything to make sure that you have, you can go live with the game. We're already live. Uh, you play and, and Ubisoft Connect and different parts like uh, Club and Reward and everything. We've been live for, for years. We've had players in. So it's not so much about going live, but now we're actually going live with a new thing. And that's the, the new PC client that we've been in open beta with for a while. So that's been a big part of my my job. Uh, it's planning this beta together with everyone else, of course, but making sure that we put up like criteria for what is a successful beta, planning the rollout, uh, making sure who who gets access and all this. That's and, been a big, and what features and... Yeah, exactly. Um, so working with kind of um, program management that more plan the feature side of things, working with the POs again, looking at the roadmap and see what fits together um, is there anything else? Is there a game release that ties into what we do so that we can plan our releases around them? Um, so there's there's a lot of things happening in Ubisoft at the same time. And Ubisoft Connect kind of sits in the middle of a lot of that because it's usually, we're the first thing that players see. Before launching your game, you usually have to go through us. Before chatting with your friends and inviting your, your friends to games, it's done through our platform. So it's... You really need to make sure that that's that fitting with the the grand scheme of things going on at Ubisoft. Uh, one before we go into and kind of start digging deeper into the entire process, why did you decide to update the client? So, Uplay has been around for a long time, um, and uh, as we became Ubisoft Connect, there were a few things that. Um, that merged together and, and became not just Uplay, but like I mentioned, Club and Rewards and other things. Um, and we've had a new in-game overlay. We've had a new uh, mobile client sitting for a while. And the PC client hasn't really matched into that uh, ecosystem. So we're just kind of catching up with, um, with the look and feel, but also more of the, some of the more back-endy stuff of things. It's been growing for years. And... Um, it's, it's very hard to kind of keep things tidy as you grow over the years. So it's a little bit of a technical reboot as well, making it easier to, to develop new features faster and making things faster and, and more stable uh, in general. So we're catching up and, and uh, doing a bit of renovation. Yeah. And 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 to to put that forth, you uh, we talked about the beta, which started as a closed beta, is now an open beta. If you boot up the PC client right now, you have the option of ticking, and you're then you're over into the the new client. Exactly. But, uh, tell, tell, can you tell me a little bit about the uh, why that you went that route of of you know with a closed beta, open beta, and rolling it out slowly but surely? Yeah. No, but like I said, I mean uh, the, the Ubisoft Ubisoft is a is a busy place. There's a lot of things happening and. We're kind of humble to the fact that we're not the main reason that people come to us. It's usually games or, or social interactions or whatever. So it's it's our job to keep things working very smoothly. Uh, the game the game launch needs to be smooth. And this was a safe way for us to get enough people to try the, the new experience uh, without making it 
without risking making it a, a, a poorer experience for the rest of the users. So slowly rolling it out, uh, having people opt in, especially the some of the more curious players that are keen to joining betas, coming in, looking at what they see and also giving feedback. So it's again, kind of closing this feedback loop. So we've gotten a lot of good feedback during the beta. Some of it we've been able to to already kind of fix. Uh, some tweaking of how the library was was formed and the the filtering and sorting options there. Um, performance was a big thing. Having that enforced with your player base um, is, is really good. So it was giving ourselves a little bit of time um, of getting some feedback, but also a safer way of, of rolling it out. We, we usually do like user tests, like just like the games do. Uh, we have great people and great facilities to do things like this. So we're also using that to make sure that we're, when we're doing new features, we put them in the hands of users, we get some feedback. But now it's more than just one feature. It's, it's kind of all of the features working together. So then we wanted to do it with, with a larger player base, uh, testing the new systems, um, and, and slowly rolling it out to more and more users. And I guess it's also a question of scalability there. Yeah. Yeah, we have a lot of users using our platform. So we need to make sure that that scales well. Uh, and again, not risking the experience for everyone, but doing it in a more controlled manner. I'm biased, but I really like the new client. Oh. Just saying. Yeah, I mean, I uh, when I first got the open beta, I ticked over and I haven't ticked back since. No, exactly. so it's just natural now. Yeah. I like how I'm looking at you. I could be looking at you. I'm not getting better for this, but I'm just telling Dory you should. You yeah. Should, uh, yeah. yeah, no, we're super excited about it. And it's uh, it's very easy to, to get used to it when you're working with it every day. But sometimes we try to take a step back and, and look at it and switching back and forth. There is a... I think there's a big improvement in, in the in the look and feel of things. It feels fresher. So we're very excited to get this in the hands of even more players. How did, how did the work on it start? Like, where did you begin? You just knew, okay, we need to make a major overhaul of the launcher. Where did you go from there when, once the decision had been made? I wasn't really part of that process. It was more kind of, back then I was just managing people. But from from the conversations that I've heard with, with designers and everyone, we had a, a good... Um, we have a really good bunch of designers and they took a look at it and say, okay, what are the limitations that we have in the current client? What is it that we want to do? Uh, kind of real estate was one thing that we saw in the in the old client. It was hard to, to add things in when we were doing special things. Um, and then again, like I said, user tests. Like we we had prototypes coming from these different needs. We have technical needs of more quickly getting things out into um, the hands of the users. The old tech was was a bit of a mix between like C and other things. Um, and now it's it's more web based. It's much easier to get things quicker out. So there were technical aspects and there were design and usability aspects. And we tried to combine those into to one vision. We made prototypes, put those in the hands of the users, and just kind of did a few iterations uh, and and went from there. Yeah, and you mentioned feedback before, but I, I want to maybe dive a little bit more into, you know, wh where you've been getting feedback from and how you've been, uh, you know, making it actionable. Yeah. So one thing, big thing that we've done uh, during the beta has been just kind of plain old uh, feedback uh, surveys. Uh, so asking people for direct feedback. So we've put out a link to uh, a survey in the client and ask questions there and get people to fill it in. We've also done user tests continuously. Uh, so we've had a, a bunch of people that have been following the beta from very early closed beta into the open beta and giving feedback on every iteration that we've had. And then, like, obviously we, we look online. Uh, um, it's it's a bit of a mixed bag uh, when you look at like Twitter, Reddit. Uh, 
like I said before, we're usually the first thing that you see when you launch, your, try to launch a game. It's also the first thing to point out when you can't launch a game. So it's 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 very easy to get lost in in uh, in that and only look at the negative. But I think there's also a few, some good things in there. Yeah. Um, we can pick up general patterns. We we also have like community people that try to look at the community, the PC community, and see uh, okay, are there any any things that stand out? Um, that are especially painful, uh, and I'll try to take too much in the individual negatives, but but looking at everything and and see, okay, there's a pattern here that we can see that we haven't really thought about ourselves. Okay, that's good. Let's try to feed that back as well. So we're trying to to get like a complete bag of um, very direct feedback that we ask individuals in a controlled manner, but also listen to the more kind of community noise and try to analyze analyze that as best as we can, and then see, okay, are there common denominators in this? Do we see patterns in this? Um, so I think really trying to, and I think also by, by using the product ourselves uh, makes it easier to, to kind of connect these things that we see and tie them into real problems that we can actually identify and, and agree with. Yeah, no pressure. Being a, being a launcher is, as you said, it's a place that people go to launch their games. They want to get to the game, but they have to go through a launcher. Uh, that And that goes for any launcher out there, it's a fairly big responsibility. Yep, uh, no, absolutely. No pressure, you. Yeah, uh, and there's a lot of good, like good old comments that we've seen that kind of stuck with the team. Like, you want to launch the game, but then there's Uplay. Like, it's 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 we're trying to be as seamless as possible. Um, then we also provide other things, right? Like social and and experiencing new games, finding new games. Um, so there's a lot more that you can do, but the core product is really getting into your game. And we try to be humble about that because it's uh, we're most of us are, are gamers ourselves, so we we understand the frustration of just wanting to get in and play. Yeah, and and I, I mean when when you're talking about community feedback on socials, kind of the the absence of comments there is a positive because yeah. as soon as people are just getting into the the launcher, getting into the game, you don't go online and write like, well, you know, <laughs> I got into the game super quickly. If those are missing, then it's like, oh yeah, we're yeah. doing a good job. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's what I mean with, with not trying to get too caught up on, on that negativity, because I, I think in, in gaming in general, there's, it's very easy to get lost in the, in the kind of negatives, but there's also value uh, there to be found in things that aren't actually working. And with PC, it's very tricky because there's endless configurations, right? So uh, what works on our machines doesn't always work on, on users' machines. And we have to be cautious to to not just dismiss things that are coming because they can be issues. And even if it's just a very small percentage of players, it can still be hundreds or thousands of players that are unable to have game invites or, or launching their games. So it's a, it's a tricky balance to to not dive too much into it and, and be bogged down by that, but also trying to look at it and see if there's uh, concrete things there. Yeah, and then at the same time, once you can compare feedback to direct metrics yeah. and, and kind of see the correlation there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And sometimes it's like what you're saying, like we can see something and then we can verify it in our own logs and in and, and the system systems that we see it, but they can be hard to spot by ourselves. So it's uh, it's good that we have it, um, for sure. During during the course of this entire process, from close from start uh, of development to closed beta to open beta, and now uh, moving into the actual launch, has there been anything that surprised you when it comes to feedback, positive or negative? Like, hey, wait, we didn't think of this. Either we better fix this, or hey, that was great. This was actually not what we intended. Um, 
there's features that you maybe didn't like think were would gather a lot of feedback, but really see like like the the new download manager was was very appreciated. And it was for us, it's quite of a small part of the component or f part of the clients, but it was one thing that really stood out in the feedback. It's like, wow, the new download manager is awesome. <laughs> so it's you definitely sometimes see like a a slightly different reaction than you were where you were supposed to, and it's really interesting to watch uh, like user tests uh, because it's always. Like people find ways of of doing things that you hadn't expected. Uh, like uh, when we were doing uh, remote play, uh, close tests. Uh, no, sorry, share play. So you, you we were playing two people. So you're you're driving around on your motorbike and you're shooting, and they could some users figured out that one of them could drive and the other could shoot, uh, and like no one thought about this, and, <laughs> and and they just like jumped in and like okay you drive I shoot and like people were helping each other aim in the division like okay take cover and I'll take it from there you just you just run up there and I'll shoot <laughs> so like it's it's impossible to kind of think about all the ways that your what you do will be used so it's it's very key to kind of invite this feedback I think I love that it's kind of like a co-pilot program exactly. <laughs> I want to see a two-player division speed run. <laughs> but because um, we, we've talked about like player feedback, but of course, like you mentioned, Ubisoft is quite it's quite big. There's a yep. lot of things going on, so there's also like feedback and feature requests coming from game teams of, of stuff that they would want and yep. how they want to serve their 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 games. Absolutely, and. There's much more to Ubisoft Connect that that players don't see. We're also doing a lot of kind of internal um, internal systems tools for game teams. I used to like I, I like to describe it as we're kind of in the middle, the link between game teams and players in a lot of senses because we're also kind of a PC distribution platform. Um, so these systems need they need to be well oiled for the game teams. Otherwise, we're just in their way as well. Um, so absolutely, that's a, that's a big part of it that you don't really think about usually when you just hear Ubisoft Connect because it's more kind of player facing. And uh, But uh, so we we have dedicated people that only work as kind of uh, direct links to the game teams to make sure that things are working well for them. Yeah. And I mean, like outside of the, the PC client, there recently there was a feature with uh, crossplay, like integrated into the game in Rainbow Six Siege. Right. Uh, you know, and, and stuff like that. There's continually something, you yeah. know, being worked on and popping up. Yeah, no, that was a super cool project because it involved many different parts of Ubisoft. So it was Connect, it was the game teams, uh, also other kind of backend systems, and we delivered this feature together. So it's kind of based on Connect tech, but sitting in the game. Uh, so that was a really cool project. It got a lot of uh, people energized within the teams because it, it was such a direct value for a lot of users to be able to play cross-platform uh, with, with their games. So that was a super cool project. And it was very, it's, when you work that closely with game teams, it's also, it also makes it much easier to kind of get to know their pains and, and their wants. Uh, so I hope that we can do more projects like that. Yes, as I mentioned in the beginning as well, since this really is a tool, but it's such an important one. It's, kind of, it's really cool to hear how, how it's worked on. Because I think for launchers, you mentioned it before, uh, kind of, uh, it is a, sometimes a controversial subject to talk about. Yes. Um, so it's, it's really interesting to hear, it's kind of like, okay, so this is how we actually actually do it. Yeah. No, for sure. And uh, that's why it's so important to kind of nail the key flows. Yeah. Uh, and that's 
I think that's something that we, sometimes what we think are important features aren't always what the users think are important features. So we're trying to be mindful of that and not run away in crazy directions, but more kind of focus on getting the basics right, in a sense. Um, and I think with with the new PC launcher, that in a much better place to, to focus on some of those key kind of new and nuisances that we've had before to, and, and seen with our players. To kind of get back to your work, though, to your job, how do you manage to, how do you, because it's a lot, like, I don't know how long we've talked, but there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of moving parts here. How do you organize yourself in all of this? Like, how, where do you come in? How do you make sure that everything works as you envision it to? There's a lot of stakeholders. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's players. There's the yeah, tech, for sure. Um, I mean, we have a lot of kind of just bookings that sit in the calendar where where I meet up with these different stakeholders. We have production calls every day with uh, with all the agile teams, pr production leadership, uh, where we see are there any new like uh, bugs that are critical to make sure that there's very short lead times for for finding these things. Um, and as I said, I I, I don't do that much like actual operational work myself. I rely on a lot of other good people in Connect. So it's it's mostly for me to really just be that kind of annoying person uh, asking, <laughs> okay, what's this done that we said? Uh, coming with, okay, I saw that you did this, but not this. Can we do this as well? Yeah. Um, just a safety net around the other things that we do um, together with other like kind of QA and, and uh, program management, making sure that we set out to do certain things in certain ways and then evaluate to make sure that those things were done. So it's, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of meetings for sure. You need to be uh, pragmatic and like talking to other people. It can get frustrating sometimes, uh, of course, because you're working with, with people, right? <laughs> so not always seeing uh, eye to eye on things, but uh, um, compared to like what I used to do with, with programming, uh, there were meetings there as well. You had to plan the work and everything, but sure. it's very, very different. And I think uh, I was also a people manager for, for a couple of years, only kind of working with the developers, making sure that they were happy that they were developing, uh, that they had the right um, setup to do their job. Uh, I like that as well, but this is coming back to production uh, in, a, in a better way, a little bit more of a pulse, things are happening. Um, we try to avoid firefighting too much. Uh, that's you, you try to stay away from that because it's not healthy for anyone. But it's still more variation and uh, being closer to production, kind of feeling that you're helping with the making the user experience better for people. Sure. Uh, yeah. But yeah. did it feel? Th sorry. Now I was just thinking, like, if we if we make a, a hypothetical here that you know there's a sprint ongoing they're working on on their features but you get feedback like oh there's a certain feature that we would really like to adjust or something so is it then your job to kind of look at it and say oh yeah this is big enough to kind of add into the agile teams and change kind of what's going on or, or we really try to not do that mm -hmm. um it's kind of the, the one of the basics of of agile of course it happens um for me if I do something like that, it's usually if there's an incident, like, okay, something is actually not working. Then I would go to them and say, hey, stop what you're doing. And and that's probably one of the few, like, legitimate reasons to, to, to break a sprint. It can be that, like, what you're working on for some reason 
no longer makes sense, mm. then you can also say, okay, no, let's stop this and throw it out and try to come back to it. But uh, I mean, that could be me. That could be other people in Connect as well. Um, but uh, we really try to not do that because yeah. the, the POs get very angry with us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, plan it out. I mean, that, that's the whole uh, reason why you have Agile teams and all that pre-planning and, and constantly talking to them. That is to yeah to make sure that it goes as planned right so yep. that's how it should go yeah so we're, we have, we have like roadmaps instead <laughs> where we can say okay this is what you will be working on and yep. that, there we can change a little bit more but once they've started the sprint it's, uh, we try to keep our hands off I like how you learn so much that you can actually confidentially like, <laughs> with confidence yeah. say this is what Agile is now yeah. this is what you and yeah. and it was actually correct yeah yeah. That's, that's, I mean it was, if it was a 50-50 but I was like I'll just say it with confidence <laughs> you can yeah, come do some like uh, scrum master internship uh, with Connect <laughs> yeah. uh, please and come and report back and you'll be sitting in the in the chair Ooh. Yeah. And also for a future 50, episode of <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you were wrong, you one could correct you and it would still be good content. Yeah. I, I really exactly. like how you think. Actually, I'm I'm getting the information exactly. to the uh, to the listener. Yeah. Exactly. One of the most important uh like what they call them ceremonies, like meetings in the in the sprint is the uh the retrospective where you look at the last sprint that you did and you look at learnings and I think that's something where you can kind of start off and go in and, and uh, moderate the retrospective. <laughs> I think that's it's a very learning experience and a very very fun experience. It's my favorite scrum ceremony. But was it a, a natural uh, development for you, from developer to scrum master to to this? Was it? A, did it feel like a natural journey? Did it all make sense? Yes there... and no. Um, I worked uh, as a DevOps team lead before, so part of that really ties into what I do, uh, like the, the operational aspects of it, making sure that monitoring and uh, the live side of things, uh, that was very much similar. So that was, I was quite used to that. But the, the other side of it, like more the, like the feedback and the, the being very close to the, the voice of the user and more kind of product management, uh, that was a lot new to me uh, so that's been super fun to learn and working very closely with feedback people product people kind of being in the middle of that to, to make sure that the user voice is coming into the product vision uh, and, and tying that loop so that's been super exciting to to learn more about i think whenever you're working in a in an agile team you're you're somewhat part of the product's development but as a developer you're a little bit more like, okay, we get requirements, we talk to the designers, but then we implement. Uh, this is a little bit earlier than that. So like finding out what the product should be. Um, so I think that's cool. Yeah, like rather than making the Lego pieces, you're looking at the uh, instructions. And, right, and making those. exactly. There's, one, thumb, every, for, for there's audio, one every episode. For, for audio <laughs> listeners, it's a thumbs up. There's one every episode. Indeed. Um, but if, if for people who are listening and either want to become working DevOps or working development or work with us, and or people that already are that would kind of like to work towards what you're doing now, can move away maybe from the, as you said, the agile focus and go into a bigger picture kind of thing. Do you have any like tips for them? Like this is a way to think, this is a way to work, or this is something to check out? I think one really good place to start is just look at, like, what is the the playing field? I mean, just get to know not you, just your own product, but also, like, the other similar products. Um, 
put yourself in the shoes of the user, um, not just like a, a game player, but really kind of understanding and thinking about, okay, when I'm doing this action in the client, what, what would that mean behind the scenes? Um, so try, trying to really understand how things fit together. Um, I think that's probably, and that's where I really, my, my, my old background is, is helping me because I, I understand parts of, of what's going on at least. Uh, I wouldn't be able to jump in and write code in all the agile teams for sure, but I still understand how everything fits together, how information flows through systems and things like that. So I think that's, that's important to understand when, when you're supporting the other teams in, in doing this. Um, it also helps with kind of goal setting and, and setting targets for what health looks like in terms of systems is to understand a little bit more of what's going on beneath it. But I think just a general curiosity and, and, uh, open-mindedness towards, um, what a good player experience is. That's where we'd fail. <laughs> understand what's happening <laughs> yeah i mean yeah I, I i can understand you know you boot it up you click play and then it's supposed to the game is supposed to boot up but what's happening like thousands of lines of code behind that no idea <laughs> yeah and it's uh there was this big evolution uh years back now with with these things called microservices before we had to use like we had one big server and it was a mess, but it was one machine. Now we have microservices that do smaller things, but they they also need to work together. So it's like a a football field of servers trying to play a game together, and that there's a lot of moving parts in that. Uh, that they need to at like the bottom line is the the player experience, and that's where you put kind of like you try to quantify that experience by putting a a goal on it. Say when I click the download button, it should work. 99.995 of the times. Okay, but what does that mean in terms of all these different interactions that are happening behind the scenes? And redundancies. And exactly. And it just, sometimes it just takes one of the components breaking for the whole flow to break apart. Um, so so having a, an understanding of, of that and you don't need to know, you don't need to be a programmer and understand all the programming languages of all the servers, but you need to understand kind of what can break a system and, and what, the, what the fragility is. Can I plug all the episodes? Yeah, go for it. Uh, if you're interested in kind of this like technical side of things and, and more into DevOps and stuff like that, maybe not like game related, but everything around it, um, go back in the feed. We have one about programming, a really early one. And then there's one as well about build engineering, where we talk a lot about DevOps and get a lot of good insights into what that means. Yeah. So uh, go check those out when yeah, you're done with this episode. programming as well. And then, I mean, yeah. Oh, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. while you're at it, just, you know, start at the beginning and listen to all of them. Yeah, right? like and uh, subscribe and review all of them. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, not also to the players out there that are interested in uh, Ubisoft Connect. I mean, like we said, the open beta button is there right now. You can click it and start trying out the open beta and, I mean, still provide feedback. Yeah, we... We try not to have too much feedback fatigue or server fatigue, so we turn it off and on, but uh, look out for it, and I think it will show up at some point, and you can give your feedback. Yeah. Or you're listening to this way too late, and uh, it's done, and it's out. No, no. no. Okay, so now we'll record the version where... <laughs> <laughs> We're never done in Connect, <laughs> no. so it's, uh, there's plenty of chance to give feedback at some point. That's right. Thank you so much for coming on. It's Thanks for having great. me. It's been, again, getting a, an insight into something we usually don't talk about very much. Uh, has been fantastic. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
And thank you, and, uh, thank you all for watching and listening. Make sure to like and subscribe and click the bell and then go over to right, uh, Spotify <laughs> and listen there and then go over to iTunes. Yeah. You know, the, Is it the, called the, iTunes? Apple Podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Google Podcast. Google uh, anyway, podcast. just the the more that you listen and uh, interact, the the more of these we'll do, and the deeper we will dive into uh, game projects and uh, all the other projects happening right here at Massive. So, thank you and goodbye. Thank you.